Life's Third Act is a podcast dedicated to helping you get the most out of your retirement. Sponsored by Tucker Allen, attorney CPA Joe Cordell features guests each week to discuss prominent topics for those over 55. Here's attorney CPA Joe Cordell. Welcome to another episode of Life's Third Act. Um, I'm flying solo today. I wanted to talk about an article that I came across in Wall Street Journal recently. Um, it's called, You're Retired and Healthy, But How Do We Plan for Our Decline? It's kind of a depressing title. And it was kind of an interesting article. It talked about the this couple who, uh, I want to give them credit here, Yoder, Y-O-D-E-R, Stephen and Karen Yoder. They had planned a trip. And it was going to be, it was the conclusion of their first of, of a multi-trip plan in which they had retired and they wanted to see the world and they had saved up money for this and, and they had a plan to go to Japan and bicycling over this plateau and, and just a very vigorous sort of adventurous retirement. They were both healthy and whatnot. So... Karen, the wife, apparently has this injury, not a major injury, but it really was the stimulus for a chain of thought that resulted in this article. It was when they were fixing to come back from Paris on the first of these various trips that they had planned. Uh, She fell. She was looking up at a building, and she falls, and she breaks her shoulder, and it it wasn't life-threatening, but it concluded their travel plans for that year uh, because, you know, apparently there were some complications, but still we can all imagine something like that happening to any of us. And the point was of the article that, that plans in retirement are by nature very fragile, no pun intended. I mean, stuff breaks and it can occur in a lot of different ways. And the nature of our condition, once we get past 60, 65 years old, the nature of the human condition physically is that we're we're just vulnerable. You know, we're more vulnerable to illnesses. We're more vulnerable to injuries. And, 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 and we're also less quick to recover. Our immune systems are, generally speaking, not as good. Um, and similarly, uh, the rate at which bones heal and and things generally repair themselves. The rate at which that occurs tends to slow down as we get older. So you have these forces at work. Now, the tension that's created is that this modern expectation of what we call retirement, I'm sure something resembling a retirement expectation may have existed throughout history, but certainly not in the terms that we came to know it in the 20th century. You know, there was a time when people realized there will be eventually I won't be able to work, and then I need to figure out how I survive. So people saved for that, or they had a bunch of kids for that purpose, or things like that. But the idea that I'm going to be fully healthy and vigorous, and I'm going to stop working, and then I'm going to spend the rest of my life traveling and and enjoying enjoying my life in in very mobile, even adventurous ways, that that was a 20th 20th century idea. And it it is a great idea. I don't know if I approve of what they call FIRE now, Financial Independence Retire Early. Have you all heard that acronym? Uh, it's very popular among, is, would it be millennials? Justin, well, am I talking about millennials or? I would 
guess so because I've never heard that term. So yeah, F- look it up. F I R E. It's a movement. But I mean, I applaud the idea that you can work hard and then retire potentially at forty, and you know, spend your life doing things maybe you'd rather do. Strong roots are essential for a healthy tree, especially your family tree. That's why you work hard to take care of your family every day. At Tucker Allen, we know that taking care of your family means planning for the future. Our team provides personalized estate planning to help you protect your family, your legacy, and your future. From wills and trusts to long-term care and estate planning. Count on Tucker Allen. Personalized estate planning made simple. So traditional retirement is a tension because on the one hand, you have this vulnerability I described, and on the other hand, you have this, this great expectation that has you know, lingered in your mind for decades, perhaps, uh, for which you've planned and saved. Uh, you've made sacrifices. Many people have. You've contributed to a pension plan, all, all with the intention of doing the things that you perhaps couldn't do or you postponed doing while you were working. And you you really were, were you know, it sustained you for decades, this idea that I'm going to someday be able to stop doing this and hereafter I have all these great plans and here they are. Some of us are not quite that methodical about our planning, but even if we're not so explicit, we still nurture this expectation. We still have in our head these places we want to go. What was really impressive about the this couple, this article, is that they actually had this planned out in concrete terms, which was a little optimistic, but the point's well taken that that judging from their health at the time and their vigor and and mobility and whatnot, they thought, well, you know, why can't we do these things? So the tension that I want to talk about in today's show is the tension between, on the one hand, that we are very vulnerable and it's the nature of our condition when we get older, and then on the other hand, simultaneously, we have this expectation that these are going to be our best years, and often that includes substantial degree of mobility, whether it's travel, whether it's adventure activity, whatever it might be. Usually the plan is not to be sedentary, entirely at least. So that's a tension. And it's not talked about enough. I mean, there is that that aphorism that uh, many of you have heard. When you first retire, it's the go-go years, and then the next phase is the slow-go years, and the third phase is the no-go years. We've talked about this on this show before. That's not true for everybody. Some people, it's go-go until... They come to a point, they have a heart attack, hopefully in their 90s, and that's it. So their their functionality curve is not kind of a downward sloping curve such as this. Instead, it's a straight line and then it just drops off like a cliff. That's ideal. That's the way we would all like it to occur, assuming it occurs at, a, at an old age. But we know statistically we can't count on that. Um, statistically, it's more likely to be some fairly significant slope in that curve as opposed to that drop-off at some point. Now, let's talk about the drop-off that might occur in a very sudden way where you're fully mobile one day and and you're not the next day. I mean, the classic example of that is people who have heart attacks and strokes and die. 
that, of course, has to be considered when we talk about these this vulnerability that we have as humans after age 60. So I want to talk a little bit about how we think about it. I don't have any clear answers to this, neither did this article, quite frankly, but it did stimulate thought. And I think it's appropriate, particularly as an estate planning lawyer, and, and Tucker Allen, I know, to some extent, discusses plans with clients about you know, what do you want to do in your retirement? And often that can have an impact on how you structure your estate plan. But today I want to speak a little more generically. I mean, I think that that we have to begin by recognizing that the possibility exists that we won't be able to do all those things we want to do. That's the starting point. If you don't have a plan B, if you've not allowed for any other scenario, then it can be it can be a blow, and you know you can you can perhaps feel cheated uh, because you you place so much expectation on this list. Um, this some people call it a bucket list, but whatever you want to call it, you've placed such high expectations on it that when suddenly that list is not attainable, then you may feel that your life is suddenly diminished in some substantial way. And I think a better way to think about retirement is to allow, is to build in this expectation that I'm going to have, we'll say these three, this period of three stages. And maybe you won't, but you know that at least it's coming and this is your plan. So what would life look like if you were suddenly not quite as mobile, if you were not quite as physically able? What would happiness consist of for you then? I think you should have that list, and that list should exist alongside the list that you prepare that relates to you know, your highest and best hopes. Uh, th- this plan B, quite frankly, should not be something that requires, from your perspective, the idea that you're surrendering to a great extent the meaningful life you intended, because I think that that betrays something deeper in terms of priorities and values. I mean, satisfaction or happiness should not be contingent on your being in a particular place. It shouldn't be contingent upon your ability to to do adventurous things. Yeah, there is some fundamental things we want to be able to do, very fundamental things, like get from you know this room to that room. But my point is that you should have laid and ready a plan that would reflect the possibility that something can occur suddenly. So these events that occur you know, after our retirement, they can come in a lot of different forms. We, we've had a number of friends recently who've, you know, the husband, uh, seems the husband's not the wives, in two cases, husbands were diagnosed with Parkinson's. So that, that doesn't mean that things are going to come to a stop immediately, but depending on the circumstances of a particular case, it could be five years, six years, things may have to change physically, maybe sooner, um, could be longer. But the point is, it requires a re-examination of plans and a reorientation of what you want to do and when you want to do it. So I just think that we have to recognize that that these interruptions to plans in retirement can come in a variety of ways, and they can come from a variety of directions, and they can be just very sudden, you know, a fall, a fracture of a hip, so many things that in a moment's time dramatically changes the plan. 
it's not that these things can't happen when we're young. We all know people where such things have happened, but they're not probable. But we all know that they're probable, much more probable once we get older, once we get past age 60 or so. So for us to not, for us to not consider those very conceivable scenarios after age 60 is just, I think, you know, it's just negligent on our part. So we have to be realistic. And that's kind of what I want to talk about here in the show is to, is to trigger some thought. So one is, is to recognize that there is an alternative way that I can be thoroughly fulfilled if something changes and I can't do things quite the way I wanted to do them. But it does require plugging in and getting in touch with something very, very basic about your values and, and the meaning of life. And, and hopefully you have religious faith that's important to you uh, that, that you can plug into and ask this question. I come from a perspective of, of a Christian. So that gives me guidance as, as you know, what is the what is the foundation that I would look to for happiness and fulfillment, you know, whatever the scenario. And hopefully you have that too. So I, I would suggest that you establish that frame of mind now if you don't already have it. So that if some of these surprises come out of left field, you know, the other disruptive, you're not happy about it initially, at least. Uh, but the point is, you can deal with it. It doesn't blow your world away. Now, another thing that I would say in, in recognition of this tension we've talked about in the show is that I would front end load your trip with the things that, you know, you really, really, really want to do. And that means, you know, if you want to walk across Africa, um, which I knew somebody did that, uh, if you want to, to do safari, for example, if you want to trek, um, you know, in across France, I mean, these are all things that you can do and you can have a wonderful time and probably get them done um, if you put them at the front of the line and and you, you go ahead and put the money necessary into those things to do it then. So... I would, I would think very carefully about the things you really want to do and where they are in line and on your schedule of things to do. Move to the front those things that are going to be more strenuous. Another thing that I'd say is, and I've said this to our friends too, don't just keep working because you think, well, I'll have more money for those days later on. Uh, I know somebody who's now in his 70s, mid-70s, and is still working and I assure you, he has an expectation that with this extra money that he's earned, that they're going to have a really great retirement. Well, maybe, maybe, but I just shake my head because it's really challenging, you know, the odds. I mean, there are, there are just so many things in so many ways that can go wrong with each decade after 60 that we don't want to be presumptuous. And, and that means if you have enough money, Maybe you ought to retire and go ahead and do those things that mean so much more to you, those memories and that time with your family that will mean ultimately much more to you than those additional dollars in the bank account. Now, if you got to have the money in order to do any of the things you really want to do, I get it. I'm not being unreasonable or unrealistic here. Uh, some of you, I, I'm afraid, will shake your head and say, well, he doesn't know what it's like to be that tight. Incidentally... It's true, I don't know what it's like recently, but there was a time in my life when I knew what it was like. So 
I, I'm still suggesting to you that you, if, if if these dreams that you've had, perhaps for decades of the things you're going to do in retirement, if they're really important to you, I would say that when you get to the point where you can do them and still uh, fulfill the, your needs the rest of your life, of course, do it. That means retiring when perhaps 10 years sooner than you were going to. It doesn't mean, I'm not arguing this for retirement at age 50, unless you really can, but I'm, I'm assuming that, that yeah, maybe you do have to work to age 60. But do you have to work to age 70 or even 65? And I know that, that, that you can think, and I tend to think too, well, of course I can be confident that if I'm 60 now that I'll be good at age 65. I mean, we all think that. And the odds are better than between 65 and 70, which is better than 70 to 75, et cetera. So you see my point is, you know, these these dreams that often we have for retirement, sometimes they could have been met much better by good planning. And if you hadn't just reached too far to try to grab that fruit out on the edge of the limb, you know, in terms of your work schedule and your retirement plans. So I suggest then that 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 be seriously considered. If you have the money, just do it. Another uh, another thing that that some people do is they go ahead and do these things. They'll take, you know, leave from work. Maybe they have a month that's accumulated from the work where they can take. And and when they know that they know that they're healthy and much less likely to have any of these problems, say at age 50, 50 55, I mean, it's not an unheard of thing to just take a month and go do it. And uh, that that allows you to check it off and you know these memories that you'll share for many years. Hopefully you do this with your family and children. So uh, I'm a big fan of planning in order to do the things that are really important to you in retirement. Uh, but ultimately, I, I really want to emphasize the point that you've got to have the mindset that joy, that pleasure, that meaning is not going to be the result of accomplishing these activities. You know, I really, I think it's critical to come to terms with that because if you don't, then your joy, your happiness is contingent. And, you know, to go through life with contingencies like that is um, it's just a fragile thing because everything depends on it. And instead, if you go through life that I know what the source of my joy is and I'm going to enjoy my retirement even if I am immobile within reason. I'm not asking you to figure out a way that if you can't, if you're utterly incapable of walking or moving, I know that's a different plan. Maybe that's a plan that you will never have occasion to develop. But to not develop a plan for a scenario where you cannot jump on a plane and go somewhere or go out boating and things to, to not have an alternative to that plan is just not reasonable. It's, it, we live in a world with, with too many risks to our health and safety when we're, past, when we're in our upper years. And, um, and just like you plan for your dollars, you know, some have suggested that you ration time in the same way. Now, I'm not suggesting getting neurotic about this, but I am saying that it's a nice concept where you, you, you do think about dollars in very specific, concrete terms, and you calculate some of you more than others. But I know some of you can probably tell me within 
certainly a dollar of what your expenses were last month. I can't tell you within a dollar what my expenses were last month. I'm not that person, but my wife could. Uh, so if you're willing to keep that sort, to pay that sort of attention and to, to insist on that degree of precision about your money, time is much more precious. And time, incidentally, is, I would argue, more fragile than your bank account, than your investments. You may say, well, gee, I could lose my investments. That's true. Uh, but you can also lose your health. And and I think that that probably when you think about which is more valuable to you and you think about the fact that as you age, you need both, you need money, and you need health, which means time. And uh, why would you not ration both? You've definitely rationed your money. I'm willing to bet, maybe not all of you, I'm willing to bet at least 90, 90 plus percent of you have developed a budget where you've rationed the top of your, your bank accounts over the balance of your life to some degree. Um, I'm suggesting that let's think that way about time. It's a fi- of a finite quali- quantity. It's just as important as the money, except except as it pertains to your children and grandchildren, of course, which you intend to, many of our clients, you know, plan to use their assets primarily for that. But in in terms of your own life, you know, why don't you think about how am I going to ration my time best? Well, part of it we mentioned a while ago is those things that are really important to you that require lots of mobility and 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 functionality. Then those things you move to the front of the line, and you you think about what are those things that's most important. And I think you might find that a lot of them don't require an airplane. They don't even require a car. Uh, they are relationship based, and relationships turns out can be pretty cheap. Now. Uh, as a former divorce lawyer, I can tell you some relationships can be very expensive, but I'm talking about the relationships with your family and others in your life that you value and and which should be your primary source of satisfaction. Don't get me wrong. It's nice to see French Riviera. I love London. There's lots of things I like, but at the end of the day, relationships. And the good news is if your plans when you retire do do not work out quite as your plan A was, you know, you should be able to readily say to yourself, well, you know, those things are really not the most important things to me. And I'm going to have a very satisfactory retirement with these limitations. One other thing let me mention. I'm going to wrap up here. So this is a short show. Um Think about the fact that your house or wherever you've chosen to live, chose to live, be sure that it too is is um, positioned to accommodate change. Remember, we don't know the type of change that will happen. Some of us have some indication. Maybe we've had problems before of a certain type, certain type of disease or certain type of problems. Maybe you have a genetic history that kind of is a red flag to you. So you may have some clue of what a limitation will look like for you in the future, but many of us don't. And and even the others don't have certainty. So when you choose to, to live in a particular place in retirement, it does require a lot of forecasting. And, and there's more at stake in that forecasting, I would argue, than a decision at any previous stage in your life. And the reason is that in those previous stages of your life, you had the capability of of shifting gears, of pivoting, 
in moving. I mean, you had the financial resources, you had the physical, you had the the mental, the cognitive resources, you had the relationships, you had all those things that are relevant when you decide to change jobs or move to a new place or or to sell one place and, and acquire another. Those logistical and other capabilities, they may be there later in life, but don't count on it. And that means that when you're making this decision for post-retirement years, you ought to make a choice that that is has the flexibility to, to accommodate change circumstances. Uh, it could be as simple as, okay, I'm going to live in a house and I'm going to have the master bedroom on the ground level. That's the most basic thing. But there's so many other things. And I won't get into you know the, the many ways in which you can equip a home for somebody who may uh, who's older and uh, may even be wheelchair bound but even if you didn't prepare for wheelchair bound you certainly should prepare for other limitations around the house and also think about you know your access to family um i've i've commented before on this show the fact that i've come to know that florida for many people is a is a, a round trip whenever they decide to to move to florida at some stage and 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 the people I know who've done that, they've had happy years there. Um, and, and yet there comes a time when all the peop- almost all the people I've known, there's come a time when maybe something happened where there was suddenly less capable, lower capability of taking care of themselves, and they had to go back to where family and other resources are available, including medical care that they didn't think was, was up to what they thought it should be in, say, Florida versus St. Louis. I think that's a fair statement, uh, except Mayo is in Jacksonville, so I'd hold that up. But but Naples Naples doesn't have medical care on the level. So so keep that in mind. If your plan is, well, I'm going to go and we're going to live in Florida, not a bad plan. As a matter of fact, it's a great plan. But, but always consider what is going to be that exit strategy because it's probably going to come. And uh, to the extent that you're one of those who say, I'm going to move into a place or I live in a place that perhaps you've lived in for 20 years and I intend to die here. So make changes that will accommodate that if that's your intention. And But be a little reflective about that and think about whether or not that's a realistic plan. If, if you conclude that it may not be the place where you can reasonably expect to spend your whole life, it still doesn't mean you need to sell now, but you should definitely have that alternative in place. But I like the idea of, of going ahead and, and structuring things while you can so that you've already built in the sort of change that might occur. You've built in really the unexpected. And, and in some ways that's a tall order, but I think it's an order that we're called to, to, to figure out. Uh, whenever we're planning our retirement. So these are just some thoughts today. When I read this article, I thought it was interesting, and uh, and I thought that it raised some questions that I think it's good for all of us to think about. Hopefully you found it useful. This has been another episode of Life's Third Act. Till next time, take care. You've been listening to Life's Third Act, a podcast for thriving in retirement. Sponsored by Tucker Allen, your estate and elder law advisors. Each week, we discuss topics and answer questions to help you better plan for your future. For more information, visit TuckerAllen.com. Subscribe and listen again next week for another edition of Life's Third Act. 
The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely on advertisements.